second century, sorry, to be their baseline, to say this is, this is what makes us us. And we as a church, you know, 2,000 years after Jesus, should still be using the same kind of baseline of saying this is what we believe. So as we've been exploring that, we've been looking at this Apostles' Creed, and I've been looking forward to what I'm going to share this week for a while, but as I came to actually preparing for this message, I started to regret this passage that we're going to look at. Not regret it because I think it's bad or I think it's wrong. I think it's beautiful, and I think it's almost like it's the bread and butter of church. It's like what really matters. But as I was meditating, and I was praying, and I was thinking, and I was studying, I started to really struggle with the topic. I started to really struggle with the topic because the point of the Apostles' Creed is to say, this is what I believe. And while I believe all the things that are in it, I started to reflect and go, do I live like it? And do we, not just you and I here, but we as collective church in the world live like it? And so I struggled with that. But as we're here together, we're going to dive in. And what we're going to do now is we're going to read over the Apostles' Creed for the most part. So every week we've been starting and kind of looking at different sections of this creed. And the creed kind of goes into three sections. The first one starts with uh, who God is, specifically dealing with God as Trinity. So God the Father, Son, and Spirit, spending a lot of time on who Jesus is, the Son. Then it goes a bit into who the church is, us as followers of Jesus, and we talked about the holy Catholic Church, and uh, Alex excellently talked about the idea of the communion of saints, of finding uh, unity through love. And then the last section is a little bit of, well, what, do you, what does it mean for you as an individual? And so this is how the creed goes. It says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and if you're here and or at home, feel free to read along with me. This is a good thing to read together. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are creator of all, and you are creator of us. And I thank you that you invite us to know you, to be known by you, and to know each other. I thank you that long ago you inspired people to write down what it means to be followers of you through scripture and through ancient documents like the creed. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we continue this series this morning, we are opening our hearts and our minds to what it is you have for us. As we explore what it means to talk about the forgiveness of sins, we embrace it for ourselves and share it with others. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if I were to ask you, do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? I'm going to guess there's a good chance that many of us would say, yes, I like that, right? Because many of us would think, well, you know, sin is bad, I do bad things, I like to be forgiven. Pretty simple, straightforward. 
You know, many of us would uh, be appreciative of what John writes in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, where he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. We love that because we love getting second chances. I love getting second chances. When I mess up, and it does happen more often than I probably would like to admit, I love getting another chance. If I do something and I realize I shouldn't have done it, I love the opportunity to be forgiven by God. And more so even by people who are around me. When God forgives us, it's a great blessing. I love forgiveness. I love it. And probably you do too. You probably love to be forgiven. You probably love it when people say, hey, it's okay, we all make mistakes. Or you get another chance. Most of all, we love it when God says, you're forgiven through Christ. We love it. But I think a lot of us don't practice it as much. Culturally, and this isn't just about the church, but it is about the church, is we actually don't really love the idea of the forgiveness of sins. How do I know this? The internet. You don't have to go far on the internet to find how little people like forgiveness. Because as soon as you do something, and if you have a platform and you do something that somebody is upset about, they will let everybody know how horrible you are. In fact, even if you don't have a platform, and even if somebody just hears or sees what you've done or maybe a comment you've made and they don't like it, they will make sure people know how horrible you are. We love to punish people. We love to say they deserve it. They're wrong, they're bad. And truthfully, if we think about it, sometimes people are wrong and bad and do horrible things. And we think, yeah, there needs to be justice. There needs to be some kind of punishment for something that someone has done wrong. I don't disagree with that at all. But we often are leaning more towards an idea of karma, meaning like you do something, you get something back, than an idea that's biblical of grace, which has to do with you do something and God forgives you, and you get to start over. So when we say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, this is what we're talking about. Now, I love it because if I believe in the forgiveness of sins, I believe what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. And so I believe I'm forgiven. I believe that everybody has sinned and everybody has that opportunity for forgiveness through Jesus. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Does how you act and how you talk to people demonstrate that? I think we really need to wrestle with this one. As much as we need to wrestle with everything that's in the creed, I think we need to really reflect and go, do I believe what it says? And if I do all the way up to this, how do I live this out? And first, to do that, I think we need to figure out, well, what are we talking about when we talk about sin? And what do we talk about when we talk about forgiveness? So when we talk about sin, a lot of us think of it as that, that bad thing you do. And absolutely, there is an element of that bad thing you've done or you do. But there's so much more to it. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably read different words in the Bible 
used for sin, and you've always thought like, oh, it's that bad thing. But there's a lot more to it. In the Old Testament, so it's the Bible that Jesus would have used, there are three primary words that get used for sin. And the first one is chata, which is just kind of that blanket statement, sin. And sin basically means in this word, this language, is to miss the mark. So you think of somebody who's aiming for a bullseye, they shoot an arrow, and it just kind of goes off, and they miss. Maybe some of you play darts, same idea. You try to hit something, and you miss. And so the idea of sin, this this image that comes up, is that you've got something you are meant for. You've got a way of living you are meant for, and you are intentionally trying to live that way. But sometimes, yeah, you do veer off. You mess up. You miss the mark. So that blanket term sin that gets used, this word chata, means to miss the mark. So when we believe in the forgiveness of sins, we believe that sometimes in our lives we have the best of intentions and we mess up and God forgives us. Sometimes we have every intention. It's like you have every intention to go to the gym, but on the way was a dairy queen and it just got in the way. You miss the mark. That's part of what sin is. There's another word that gets used in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and that's the word transgression, and in Hebrew it's pasha. And transgression or trespass in the New Testament gets used quite a bit, is, is still sin, but it's a little more. The idea of transgression is that you are faced with an opportunity and you willfully choose not to do the right thing. So you are faced with two scenarios. One is somebody dropped a $20 bill. You saw them drop the $20 bill. You have two choices. One is you grab it, you keep it. The other one is you grab it and you tell the person, hey, you dropped $20. In your mind, you will play out the scenario. You know, no one's going to get hurt. This person doesn't know they dropped $20. I mean, maybe they have $40. They don't really need the extra $20. They're not buying gas or anything. You can play it out, you can justify it, and you go, you know what, I'm just going to keep it. No harm, no foul. Finders keepers, right? That is a transgression. You know what you should do. Somebody dropped $20, you give $20 back. That's it. But you choose to not. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to say, how many of us have done that? You should all probably raise your hand at some point. We sometimes know what's right, and we choose not to do it in the split second. It's not like you plan to not do what's right. It's just you made that decision, and you didn't. So yes, it's sin. It's missing the mark. God has something in mind for you to do good for others, and you miss the mark. But it more intentionally is you choose to miss the mark. You choose it. The third word that gets used is a one, which is iniquity. And sometimes we think of the word iniquity, and we just think, again, sin. It's like it's bad. It's, it's what it is. But biblically, it's more. It is the premeditated decision you make to go against God. So the first scenario, you see someone drop $20. It's a spur-of-the-moment thing. You decide, ah, I could just keep it. This scenario, I could really use $20, so I'm going to rob a bank. And I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to stake it out. I'm going to watch and see when, you know, people are around, what the least busy time is. I'm going to make sure I buy the mask so nobody sees what I look like. I plan it all out. This is iniquity. It's something inside of us that says, I don't even care 
what's right. And we all have this. It might not show up all the time, but it is a character flaw of all of us. That there's something sometimes that rears its ugly head inside of us that goes, I don't really care. I'm going to plan to do the exact opposite. So for some of us, sin looks like, hey, I had this opportunity and I took it and I shouldn't have. Others of us, it's, this is what I want to do and I don't even care what's right or wrong. That's iniquity. And so these three words get used quite a bit throughout Scripture to talk about sin. It's so much bigger than just something you do wrong. Something that has to do with who we are and what we choose to follow as well. King David, in Psalm 51, used all three of these words in his confession. Psalm 51, if for those of us who are familiar in the book of Psalms, is the psalm that David wrote after he is found out for sleeping with Bathsheba, getting her husband killed, and doing a whole lot of wrong. So after he is found out, he writes this psalm, this song of confession to repent, to say, I did wrong. And in it, this is what he writes. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. So those things that I did, that I knew were wrong, I didn't plan to do them, but I did them anyway. When David initiates this issue that he, of his sin, it's, he recognizes that when he saw Bathsheba bathing, he had an opportunity not to say, oh, I'm just going to go have sex with her, because I can. He had the opportunity to say, I shouldn't be looking out at her while she's bathing. But he didn't do it. It was his transgression. He knew there was an opportunity for right. He had the opportunity for the right thing to do, but he didn't do it. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. When David impregnates Bathsheba, he schemes to find a way to get out of it. He says, well, I'm going to make sure I bring her husband back from war so that he sleeps with her and she get, you know, we can pretend like she's pregnant with his baby. He plans it out. It doesn't work out. Instead of confessing in those moments, instead of going, wow, I transgressed, he looks for ways to get out of his mistake. It's his iniquity that does it. Something inside of him that makes him plan out worse and worse stuff. Eventually leading to his death, not David's, uh, Uriah's death, of putting him in the front of the, the army so that he dies and he can just kind of ignore the problem. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. David, as he pens this out, as he shares this confession, he acknowledges that his sin is affected everyone, but his sin is ultimately against God. Because God has spelled out a way to live, to be, and how it could be better, and he's ignored it. 
says, I'm going to do my own thing. So as David is confronted for his sin, he is given the opportunity to make things right and seek forgiveness. That God is gracious to him. As he says, have mercy on me, God. Don't give me what I deserve. How many of us can honestly say we really want what we deserve? We really want for God to say, you get what you deserve. If we can honestly look at our lives and say, I've never done anything wrong, well, really, you're a liar, but then you could say, well, hey, all right, God, give me what I deserve. I earn this. None of us have earned our sitting with God. None of us have earned God's grace. It's what he's given to us. So when we talk about believing in the forgiveness of sins, we believe what David knew. David knew, and ideally David would have known and acted on that before he made all his decisions that led him away from God. But David knew that God is merciful. David knew that God wants a relationship with us. What David didn't fully understand is that the wages of sin is death, and somebody had to pay that penalty. And what we get to know is that Jesus paid that penalty, is that Jesus went to the cross and died for the forgiveness of our sins and our hope for eternity. So when we say we believe in the forgiveness of sins, we say we believe that Jesus died and rose again for a second chance. For you and I to not be the worst thing we've ever done. For you and I to say, yes, I did this, and I need to move forward in a better way. Not for you and I to say, eh, it doesn't really matter. Not for you and I to say, well, you know, it's not as bad as that guy. When we believe in the forgiveness of sins, we believe that the wage of sin has been paid by Jesus. And because of that, we can have forgiveness. Um, in Romans, the Apostle Paul writes this. Uh, actually, sorry. Uh, I messed up my notes. <laughs> we started being much more complicated with notes, and I don't usually use notes. But John writes this in 1 John. If we can go to the verse, because I don't have it in my notes. Uh, he says this as I continue in that passage that I shared. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Next slide. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. God has given us the opportunity to seek forgiveness, but denying it gets us nowhere. If we say we believe in the forgiveness of sins, first we say we believe in sin is a real thing. 
Sin is much more than just that bad thing you did once, but it's something that is residing in us at times that leads us down a path that says, I don't even care what God thinks. And sin is also that thing where when we're faced with a situation and we can go, well, I know the right thing to do, but I'm just not going to do it today. We transgress, we have iniquity, we sin. If I believe in the forgiveness of sins, I believe sin is a real problem and that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if I believe that's true, I need to believe in the solution. And the solution is Jesus. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can have the forgiveness of sins and experience life in his fullness. That's only through Jesus that the wage of sin has been paid. It is only through obedience to Jesus as Lord that we stay in the path so that we don't keep missing the mark. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. But I also believe we need to live like we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Meaning we need to live in such a way that we demonstrate that forgiveness for ourselves, acknowledging that we are not perfect, acknowledging our way is not always the right way, that God has something better, and acknowledging that you and I, we're the same. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And your sin is no worse than mine. Well, maybe it's a little worse. But it's also no, my sin is no better. It's just sin. We've all missed the mark. And God has made a way for us to get back on track. And denying that sin is sin isn't going to get us there. When we know we are forgiven, we are forgiving to other people. That's not dismissing anything bad that anyone has done. People have done bad, and in times, sometimes those people need to pay a penalty for it. It's not forgetting that people have done bad, but it's acknowledging that we're all sinful. And there's a God who still wants a relationship with us. And we can have that relationship through Jesus Christ. So I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I pray that we continue to live like we believe it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the God who does give second chances. And just like David prayed to you and asked for your mercy, we have that opportunity as well. And we have so much more of a privilege than David that we know and can be confident in the forgiveness you have offered us. The forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of when we've tried to do the right thing and we just kind of stray off the path and don't even intend to. The forgiveness of when we make a choice deliberately against what you desire for us. And the forgiveness of when we choose to just ignore you in our life. But God, this forgiveness is meaningless if we don't repent, if we don't come to you, confess it, and say, I'm turning around, I'm going in your direction. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us in that direction. 
that we are not alone in making the decisions we make, that we're not alone in recognizing that some of the choices we make are, are away from you, are pushing us in a different direction. That Holy Spirit, you are with us and you are a gift to us so that we can live lives that reflect your goodness. I thank you, Jesus, that you did die and rise again for the forgiveness of our sins. And we have that opportunity to know it and embrace it and live it in such a way that others can know that forgiveness. I thank you for who you are and who you invite us to be. And I believe that we can be those people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you do believe in the forgiveness of sins and live like it daily. I hope you join us for coffee afterwards. And as you go, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.